Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com slash twip. This week on the show, Ron goes to Belize, photographers harassed by the fuzz, and Fred thinks crop sensors are dead. Right here on This Week in Photography, number 141. Hey everyone, welcome back to This Week in Photography. This is Alex Lindsay uh, at the Twit Cottage holding down the fort. While we have, uh, coming from San Jose, we have Fred Johnson. Hey Fred. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be broadcasting from my home office now that I have decent and a decent internet connection. Because life is, great. is so much better when you have a decent internet connection. It's awesome. It, you know, I'm really glad that the FCC has really got, you know, gotten down on that because... We really need to have decent internet for everyone. Yes, so, uh, I agree. So anyway, and I have lighting in here, too. So um, it looks, Let me tell you something, darling. You look marvelous. Absolutely <laughs> marvelous. Marvelous. Also coming in from uh, Redondo Beach. Hermosa Beach. Redondo. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the same if I didn't say that. You know, it, it, it's Hermosa. like... It means beautiful. <laughs> something with Hermosa. beach at the end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got Ron Brinkman. Hey, Ron. Good morning, everybody. And you're back from a long trip, which we'll talk about in just a second. Indeed. And uh, so uh, it, it's good to have you back. And, uh, and also we have – Rick, have we had you on before? Uh, I think so. And, you know, it's funny. These guys live on the beach. I live on the river. I live on the, on the Crote River. So, like, at least we have, uh, you know, photography and water in common. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Rick Salmon, of course, and uh, so it's really, really good to have you, Rick. And uh, we'll be, um, it, it will be uh, jumping through the stuff now. The first thing before we get to any of this, we've got a trip that Ron has to talk about. We've got lots of news that that's coming together. Um, and uh, one of the things I want to do first, of course, is thank our sponsors, uh, Squarespace dot com. Of course, as you know, that TwipLog dot com is on Squarespace. So um, this is what we use uh, for what we're doing. It's actually what I use for a lot of other sites. When anyone comes to me and says, "So I'm thinking of putting together a site, and I'm trying to." Figure figure it all out. Uh, I just go, you just got to get Squarespace because it's, it's just, I don't have to think about it. Um, it is one of those things where you have tons of hundreds of design templates. You've got a forum, you can set up photo galleries, form builders, you can, you can build the whole thing, WYSIWYG. Uh, if you're an expert, you can add CSS, you can do a lot of those other things. And all of that is done for a very low monthly fee and not really much more than you'd pay if you were, uh, you know, co, you know, co-lowing or, or doing a service. So you can, you can import, uh, your WordPress or other types of blogs, but you can also export. So if you, there's no risk here to, to kind of uh, put it in. It's not like you're going to get it in there and you can't get it back out. So anyway, if if anyone here is interested, definitely check it out. Go to squarespace.com slash twip. So squarespace.com slash twip, and you, you, can, uh, you don't need a credit card. You can just start building your own site and decide whether you like it or not uh, for free. Uh, if you decide you want to get it, use TWIP, T-W-I-P, as the uh, offer code, and you'll get 10% off, which is uh, will add up over time. So um, so definitely uh, check that out. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash TWIP. Now, uh, we're going to jump to Ron, who uh, just got back yes. from a, a trip. A little vacation. Where'd you go? Um, I went to Belize with a oh. little side trip over to Guatemala. <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, I'm so nice. not liking you right now, Brinkman. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Did you good. drink the Pelican uh, beer? 
Yeah, the Belican beer. Actually, I don't drink, but uh, the person I was with had plenty of it, so you know that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun watching her drink it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, everybody that's listening to this show knows that the thing that gets me to pick up the camera more often than not is when I'm traveling somewhere, and so it's very pertinent to this discussion because yes, I uh, went down to Central America and took a lot of pictures. So, what did you take? Really, uh, what did you What did you take with you? Uh, I took my sort of standard setup, which is my Canon 40D. Uh, I tend to travel with uh, the 17-85 kit lens, the 10 to 22 ultra wide, and the 50 millimeter 1.4. Which means the longest I've got is an 85 millimeter, and and there's times whenever that is um, not quite enough. There were some interesting birds and other critters that it would have been nice to have something longer, but I just don't want to carry that around. And then I also carry my uh, uh, Lumix uh, Panasonic LX3 with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, which did you find you were shooting with more, Ron? The the big camera or the little one? Um, yeah, it was probably 50-50. I mean, the, you know, having that little camera with you all the time is still the, the thing that gets you to, to take the pictures. And yeah. having the video yeah. on it was, was handy, too. There was... Uh, over in Guatemala, we, we, we rented a car in Belize and then drove sort of across the country and into Guatemala, which was an experience in and of itself. But in Guatemala, we went to see Tikal, which is the Mayan pyramids. Mm. Uh, I think the largest collection of Mayan pyramids. It's, it's in the first step, you know, the very first Star Wars, there's a scene toward the end of the rebel base where you're looking out across the, uh, uh, the canopy of trees and you see these sort of uh, pyramids rising through the, through the jungle. And that's where this was shot. So I have the totally perfect star wars shot uh, that I took, <laughs> which was pretty cool and i just need to go in and you know well and i it, and i do think it is important to have a point and shoot i think a lot of people decide that they only you know they're going to spend a lot of money on a one camera and i know that I, I went out to the beach yesterday and i specifically left my 5d behind because it just takes away from also experiencing whatever you're doing because yeah. i was you know you start worrying about the camera you start worrying about carrying it around and i had i have an lx3 as well that i um put in a little um, Ziploc bag to make sure that mm-hmm. I didn't have yep. to think about it. Uh, so did you find yourself shooting more landscape kind of things or more, uh, were there enough things there that you wanted to focus on in, in, in macro or, 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 or at least close Yeah, it, it was mostly landscape stuff. I mean, there was a lot of, the reason I mentioned the, the LX3 that I was carrying around too is that you know, there was occasionally handy to have video and actually audio that, that probably the, the thing I, I find most amusing out of all the stuff I, I shot for video uh, is they had these howler monkeys and I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard a howler monkey in the jungle. Evidently, it they howl. Like, it, I don't know if howl is the right word. It's like a gigantic monster coming at you in the distance. And, of course, there's two or three of them around you. So they're you know, calling back and forth. But it's just the most incredible sound. It sort of sounds like uh, a, an elephant that's being eaten by a lion or something. And uh, absolutely terrifying. I don't know, Ron. So, that sounds like a night on the town in San Jose. I mean, or that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're strong too, those howler monkeys. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. they are. I, we never saw them. We just heard them, and it's just uh, it's pretty creepy stuff. Uh, so yeah, have, you know, having the point and shoot with the video was was handy for that. But yeah, mostly landscape stuff. Uh, a lot of sort of just place scene kind of things. We did scuba diving for uh, a couple of you know a couple of days. We did long days. Did you get any, any underwater? So the the girl I was traveling with had a just a small point and shoot with uh, underwater housing. So she shot some stuff. I don't have anything. And, of course, now I'm like, oh, maybe I should invest in some underwater gear. And, uh, you know, there's a rat hole for some money to be poured into. How deep did you go? Uh, deepest dive we did, there's a place called the Blue Hole off of uh, Belize. It's this collapsed cave system. 
Uh, you don't actually go into the cave. It's just like this. I mean, if you Google Blue Hole Belize, everybody should just do that because this is there's the first picture that comes up is this gorgeous sense of what it is. It's this uh, just this perfectly circular hole underwater. Uh, the deepest dive we did there was about 140 feet, so pretty far down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the rest of the dives were more along the coral reef. Belize has the second largest coral reef in the world after Australia, uh, and it's you know and it's really accessible. I mean, you know, you can get to Belize from. Well, from Miami, it's like uh, less than, I think it's like a two-hour flight. Even from L.A. here, it wasn't a bad flight. Uh, really easy to get around. The, uh, the official language is actually English, uh, although knowing Spanish uh, would have been helpful in certain situations. <laughs> now, Ron, and, was this the first trip that you've taken, so your first official trip since uh, Aperture 3 launched? And how was that? Did you import everything, and how has that workflow yeah. gone for you so far? Yeah, it's, it's been good. It's... Uh, um, it, it is the first trip I took since I got Aperture, and so I was aware of things like uh, places especially. So I was mm-hmm. you know, much more cognizant of just going ahead and pulling my iPhone out on occasion and just taking sort of a place reference photo so I'd have the GPS tag on it. Yeah. Uh, and so I was doing that a lot. You know, and anytime I would go to someplace new or wanted to remember sort of exactly where I was, I would go ahead and, and shoot a backup shot just with my iPhone. It didn't, didn't matter what it was. It was, you know, just just quickly getting the shot so I'd know where and when it was. Yeah, I, I actually did that with my panos in, in uh, Brazil where I, um, over top of my rig, so I'd have my rig in the, in the frame telling me this is a pano, and mm-hmm. I'd shoot, you know, exactly what I'm about to shoot a pano of um, with my iPhone just to get, just to get exactly that, yeah. that information. Can I date myself here? <laughs> I noticed I'm the only one on the screen with white hair or gray hair. I was diving in Belize in 1980. Nice. Wow. Wow. I wonder how the uh, how the reef compares because I know the reefs all around the world are in are in trouble, and especially the that reef because you know they pulled up all the mangroves along the coast yep. of Mexico there, and all this silt and sediment is flowing into the water actually and smothering the reef. So in Mexico, I know the uh, the reef up there is. Uh, is not in good shape, so I was wondering how the reef is uh, down there. It, it's considered pretty healthy still. Uh, you know, they, they, they're definitely concerned about it. And uh, the other thing is, you've got a lot of the lionfish that are not native. Apparently, oh, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, this this is not photography related, I suppose. Although we did take some interesting pictures of them, but uh, you know, the lionfish is uh, uh, from Asia, and apparently there was some swimming. I mean, uh, some uh, uh, fish tank that got dumped into the ocean and these things have, have, are showing up everywhere and they have no natural predators so they're really starting to take over and eat a lot of the other native fish so well and i think that it's it's if people are thinking about diving especially around the reefs um now is the time to do that right i mean this yeah. is the thing if you're going to go into, into the water and you want to get some great photography uh you know it, it is some people would argue that it's already a foregone conclusion that a lot of the stuff in the Great Barrier Reef isn't going to be there. You know, it's not. It's just not going to. You know, that's not going to survive. Um, and and it's just a matter of us. I mean, if you want to capture something, the, the thing to do is to is to capture it. Obviously, the thing to do is to figure out ways to slow that down. But uh, as a photographer, uh, it seems like this is the time to start. Get you know, getting your no. Are you your patty licensed? I am now. <laughs> now did you did you take a course down there to get to become to become uh, licensed? I, I took some stuff uh up here and then I, fi- I finalized it down there and then uh, you know uh, officially you're only supposed to be able to go down to about 60 feet so that dive to 140 Jeez. feet was uh a little bit excessive but it was pretty cool down there because you're down you see these giant stalactites and stalagmites uh way deep underwater and you know sharks swimming in and out of them i have, a, I have an uh, aperture question for you actually so are you you're every day you were pulling the stuff in no, all I was doing was I ended up 
there still needs to be a better solution for this. I mean, I know there are, but nothing that I've chosen to do. But uh, every day I, would, I, I brought the laptop with me. And so all I was doing was just making sure I had a copy on my laptop. Uh, but I didn't do any kind of waiting through it. I mean, we were really on the go a lot. So it was, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of downtime. So, so actually. you weren't importing, you were just copying them over to the... I was just copying everything over to a, a hard drive and then making sure that I, you know, I had everything there. And then once I got back is whenever I brought everything into Aperture and... Uh, I'm still in the middle of organizing it all. The other thing is, so you know, effectively, we had uh, my my 40D, my LX3. She had the little uh, Canon uh, SD1000, I think it was point and shoot, and we had the iPhone. And I got back and I realized that the uh, date and time was not synced on any one of these cameras to the other one. I thought I had synced my two properly, but I, I had not accounted for uh, time zone difference on one of them. Mm-hmm. Hers is way off, and and then the iPhone was actually off just a little bit too. So you know, it, it seems like that what what should happen with either Lightroom or Aperture, what what you should be able to get access to to handle this problem would be to kind of like when you have time code. If you if you if you give the time code for anything in a video frame, it just fixes everything. It'd be mm-hmm. great to select a bunch of images and say, I know that image was shot at this time, and have it just sync all. The, you know, using the using the EXIF data there, just sync all the other images to that to that time. Yeah, and, and Aperture can do some, when you import it, it can do some offsetting of time zones and stuff. Right. Uh, and timing, you know, you can specifically choose to do that and name it, of course, to that. But it doesn't, uh, and here's me being a little late, only 10 of it, is that you can rename stuff and sort of shift it internally, but it, I don't think it rewrites it back to the raw images. Right. So I ended up using a, a tool, I'll talk about it, and it's my pick of the week, actually, that uh, I ended up using to get everything correct in the original files before I did the import. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's critical, I and mean, especially critical because if you're doing uh, the GPS stuff, in addition to that, you need to have the time correct so that when you're syncing the place, you know, it, it's accurate to the time it was shot. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, so that's now, can fi- people find any, any of that stuff anywhere online? Uh, not yet, but I will probably, I'm sure I'll put it up on my Flickr page. I'm just, uh, I'm just Ron Brinkman on Flickr as well. I'll double check that before the end. And of course, we'll let everybody know. We'll, are you going to put something up on Twiplog? I could. I think that would should. be a good idea, wouldn't it? It would be great. So, yeah. so, uh, so we'll, we'll get something up on Twiplog, and uh, and then especially when you get the stuff up on Flickr, so that people know that it's there. Yep, definitely check that out. And uh, now we've got we've got some news uh, coming up here. We've got uh, Canon, of course, released. They released the firmware last week, and many of us got very excited. Within 15 minutes of it being released, we had uh, updated to 2.0.3. And then, of course, (laughs) the next day they were like, oh, uh, yeah, we're going to take that down. And a lot of us were worried that I, you know, we had bricked our cameras or done something that was going to cause some damage. Because it wasn't clear when Canon pulled it down uh, what the problems were. It turned out that the problem was uh, sound recording uh, was not... Uh, working in manual, you couldn't, the manual record volume uh, wasn't working or, or the, sa- the sound recording wouldn't work in manual record volume being used in C1, C2, C3. So it was just, it was a very specific problem um, that was there. Uh, 2.04 is up. Uh, and uh, now how's, who has, I have a 5D, Ron, you have a 5D, right? Nope. Oh, I, I, and I, yeah, I have a 5D. I love it. You love it. And, and, and did you, uh, did you upgrade the firmware? Yeah, I always upgrade the firmware. You know, a lot of people are afraid, oh, my gosh, you know, I have to upgrade the firmware. It's going to, like, It was like easy. It was easy. It, it's so easy. You know, you put the card and you take the card out. There's really nothing you can do. And I recommend, you know, no matter what camera you have, you know, upgrade the firmware because it's going to 
It's, well, you know, the, the camera manufacturer can't take it down, as you saw, but they fixed it, you know, lickety-split. You could download this now from the Canon software, put it on your memory card, plug it into your camera. And this firmware is uh, cool, the new version. You could, you could better sound quality, although I don't really record, you know, record through the camera. I use my little uh, Zoom handy recorder, H4N here, right? you know, to record my sound. Uh, my friend Juan Pons is doing this, too. So if you want really good sound, if you're serious about sound, want to get something like that well and we use we a lot of what we do with the sound for us is to simply use it to sync sync back you know so and, right. and one of the things that they fixed is the 2398 does more than a fix that to just uh to just the sound quality but it also means that it will sync correctly one of the problems that we had on long video clips right. is a uh, loss of sync you know and, and mm-hmm. which is semi-catastrophic <laughs> you know when you're when you're doing you're a long interview that you're trying to do and suddenly they slowly slide out because it means the audio that you were going to try to use to sync your you know, you're recording to. We record to um, what's called a sound device is 702. Typically, when we're doing the interviews, so we're recording right. to that. And then what we what we what we want, wanted to do, which we can do now, which is output from the sound devices into a uh, well output from the sound devices into the camera. That way, we get uh, a limiter, a really, really, really nice limiter that is um, going to make sure that we get great sound quality going into the camera. So the the camera audio is good, but we're also recording a separate copy to the thing. And you can do the same thing with what, exactly what you're doing. We I have an H4n. When I go on long term trips, uh, you know, I use the H4n because it's a little bit smaller and uh, it's less expensive. So if I lose it, I am not so sad. So, um, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, so you're have do you shoot a lot of video with your with your five D? I'm starting to shoot a lot of video. I tell my friends that in a, in a year from now, if I'm not shooting a lot of video, if I can't teach video, if I can't, you know, not only, you know, the technical aspects, I think, you know, we have to teach the storytelling. This is very important. We have to teach editing, you know, because you could be the most technically proficient guy with the latest version of the software. If you don't know how to tell the story, you know, you're sunk. And one, this is one of the things that we have uh, discussed a lot on this show, and I'm kind of curious of your, ba- your from your background. Do you think this is something that's going to be basic training, like every photographer needs to know, every professional photographer working, especially for like a news news agency? Or is this something that they're just going to have to know as far as video? Well, I think it depends. I think you know the, the you know, newspaper people are definitely sending their people out there. You got to shoot the videos. You know, you got to shoot the stills. But for instructors, you know, Fred did a workshop uh, recently, and I do a lot of workshops, and people are going to show up. And you know, in the past, you know, I had to know how to teach. You know, Aperture, Lightroom, Photoshop, Elements, and iPhoto. And now it's going to have to be you know uh, shooting videos and Final Cut Pro. Yeah, it's expanding, right? I mean, not only not only video, Final Cut Pro, but all the other post production tools that go behind that, like audio and all that stuff. Right. I mean, it's, I don't I don't think it's a matter of you know should we learn how to do that stuff? And I was kind of on that fence before, thinking there's going to be this line between still photographers and videographers. But I think I think the the more that I look at the way things are going with all these new devices like the iPad and and all these other companies that are coming out with new ways for us to consume digital media. I think it's just going to become a matter of you are capturing media and delivering it to your client in the way that they want it. Who cares if it's still? Who cares if it's audio? Who cares if it's video? You're capturing bits and delivering how, how, however they need it, right? Well, you know, someone asked me a long time ago uh, you know, when we were talking about you know, a job. They said, uh, what do you do? I said, what do you need? <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, you know, I could do anything. Photography-wise, you know, lighting, uh, underwater photography, you know, whatever. But now yeah. it's going to have to be video. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm coining the phrase, Rick, multimediographer. 
There it is. <laughs> okay. Multimediography. There it's it is. A, and there's the name. There's the name of the. There's the name of our show right there. <laughs> Multimediography. Multimediography. You know. So the. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, there, I was going to say that you know there was a guy on the dive boat that uh, was the videographer of the of the the uh, trip we took, or at least one of the trips we took out. And you know his business model was was interesting. He would go out uh, with with the dive shop, and he was just shooting video. Uh, and then at the end of it all, you know, he'd figure out who would want to buy the stuff, and he actually sort of amortized the cost. The more people that bought it, the less he would charge for the DVD. And then he'd go home and he'd edit together just a, a little DVD, uh, which was pretty cheesy. And uh, the next morning, he'd come by and pick it up. And I convinced him, you know, if I told him I was going to buy the DVD, I, w- I also wanted all the raw footage that he shot, which he sort of hemmed and hawed on. But eventually, he relented and gave me everything <laughs> he shot. So, uh, See, the good. tech weenies here now. We, 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 that's what I did for my wedding. I think we talked about that earlier. Is like, yeah. I want all the photos. Yeah, want everything. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want your little edited together thing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, I, I was thinking about it when he's down there. You know, he, he had a pure video camera, but... You know, doing an underwater, being a, an underwater guide, if you will, shooting stills and video and capturing all this kind of stuff, it'd be kind of a fun, a fun little job. And you know, I don't even know what's available right now for like a five D uh, with an underwater housing, but I have to assume that you can get such a thing. I think it's about eight thousand dollars new. Oh, well, that's exactly it, and and that's that's what he said too. Is he's you know he's got a thousand dollar video camera inside a ten thousand dollar housing, and uh, but his housing is rated down to you know a thousand feet. Wow. So it's a little overkill. But, well, I, I have uh, to admit that the stuff we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, the stuff that Tyler uh, Ginter did um, mm-hmm. uh, that we that, that, from Afghanistan that was for me the final. Uh, I'm not carrying video cameras with me when I'm on big trips anymore. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was like one of those things. Like I'm, you know, we still use them. There's a reason to still use video cameras. They have uh, a lot of engineering tools that we don't have uh, on our cameras. They're a lot easier to get to things that you need from a video world. Um, that you don't have on a on a on a still camera, uh, but but I have to say when I saw the stuff that they shot in Afghanistan of why we fight and people and we put a link up but uh, it's on Vimeo and uh, I, it was just I was just like I'm not I'm not doing this anymore so I'm carrying like when I go to Africa I'm taking two bodies you know two well, Alex, Alex, Alex is the I, hidden little secret in there the the dirty little secret is audio right because I was playing around with with uh, shooting some some D90 video because that's all I could do right now. Right. Um, Nikon. Um, so <laughs> not that he's bitter. I, I, not that I'm bitter <laughs> and that I'm sitting on the sidelines waiting on video to catch up to Canon or anything. But, um, you know, the, the, the one thing that I found or one of the big things that I found while I was going through this exercise of shooting video and figuring out all the different pieces and how I can make it work together with the stuff I already know was audio and capturing decent audio. If you get crappy right. audio with video, you might as well forget it, right? right. I mean, if you're if if you're capturing well, things that need audio, this is why. Well, the thing is, is we uh, uh, what one of the things that we think that we have come to the opinion of, and this is this is good for a photography conversation only for those people who are thinking about this, but I think everyone is at this point, uh, is that on the web and on a lot of these smaller screens and everything else that we're looking at. Audio is not fifty percent of the product; it is eighty percent of the product. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is a it, because the thing is, you can watch choppy video as long as the audio is good, but if the audio is bad, you're gone. You know, yeah. like you can't you can't take it. You know, you can't watch it. And the the uh, the thing that uh, you know I feel kind of fortunate about is you know well I grew up in radio. You know, so I started. That's what I did first. And so it was a lot easier for me to move into, you know, add these other things on. In fact, almost everybody, when we look at who we target for people who are going to work for us, 
we want to start with people who know audio, not video, and then we'll teach them the video. We don't want to start with video folks generally. I mean, we, we will, but we find that it's much harder to teach them the audio than it is to teach an audio person video. Yeah. Right. You want to say, Ron? And I was just going to ask Rick, uh, you know, if he shoots with a separate audio capture, what, what does he end up doing to sync that? And then sort of how much time does it take to get stuff synced up? Well, it takes a long time. And that's the thing. You know, I have people who help me do this. But if you're serious, like you were saying, you really have to think about the, the sound. I was thinking of like going to a concert. Imagine shooting Clapton and you get the close-up of his hands, his left hand, his right hand, his face, and all this stuff. And then the sound jumps. jumps. I'm going to this festival in China, and I'm going to be shooting the, uh, the 5D. And, this, and the people are going to be dancing and singing. And this sound is just so very, very, very important. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we do a lot of is just visually matching the, and we'll do, I'm, we're working on relaunching Gear Media Tech, which is really going to talk about a lot of this stuff, but is to just to simply visually, we can visually match the, uh, the two sound, we just drag the audio into Final Cut and then just match, visually just see, you can see the different sound that you have there. And also some kind of clap or something that's going to tell you this is where it began, visually line it up and then, uh, uh, and then you can he- listen for the echo, which is what we what we do. And, and our guys can sync it in between two to five minutes um, once they know how to do it. But it, it's hours. Takes to the learning. But but they'll just like because we do it all the time since we record everything separately. You know that's kind of how that is. Anyway, further on, and and for those listening who are wondering, we are going to slow down our talk of video on this show as we launch. Please don't send hate mail. Please don't press the send button. What's going to happen is is that you know we're going to be relaunching Gear Media Tech soon, which has been was kind of the thing that we did in the past that was related to this. And if you go up to iTunes, you'll see some stuff that Leo and Scott and I did. Uh, we didn't like the format, or I didn't like the format. And um, and so we, we kind of put it on ice, and then we're about to pull it back out. We're going to pull it back out in a big way in at NAB, uh, but we're going to be building up towards that. We're going to start talking about this, and it's going to be a mixture of all these things uh, and how to put this together from kind of more of a gorilla standpoint, not the big camera kind of approach, but the lots of little cameras and how to use video and how to do all those kind of things. So as we do that, um, you know, we're going to start slowing down our talk about it uh, on TWIP. Um, and uh, moving forward. So those listening who just went, oh, I can't believe they talked about video again. This is a photo show. Um, it's, we're moving. It's a we're, multimedia we're show. Come on. Well, I, I will say I really wish the guy in the dive boat had been shooting with a 5D or something so that he could have provided stills as well as video because it's just not the same. And there's, you know, you want to have these high res. I mean, you see this great stuff underwater there and you want to have a real high res view of some of this as opposed to, you know, I mean, he was shooting standard death video even. Right. So it would have been really nice to have the option uh, of, of choosing some, some stills as well. Absolutely. And it's just really, it is a skill. I mean, we'll keep on saying it. It is a still a skill that you have to know now. You know, still photography by itself is not, if you want to turn this into a, if you want to turn this into your livelihood, um, there's definitely a way that you can keep on doing it. And there's a definitely, no one's going to stop shooting stills. But if you're making it your livelihood, I think it's going to be very hard five years from now or 10 years from now to survive. Um, not being able to, uh, if you're not able to do both. So, um, so that's something to keep on thinking about. Uh, also in the news, uh, we've got um, law- a lawsuit. Police harassed journalists and bystanders. Um, this is in, in New <laughs> wow. Orleans. Uh, um, and bystanders. That's and awesome. the by- yeah, They just harassed everybody. <laughs> so this is, they were, um, and this is, uh, Fred, do you want to uh, speed us up on this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the the story, which we'll, I, I think we'll link to in the show notes for the show is, uh, in New Orleans, uh, a cop basically, like Alex was saying, um, harassed. He was a bunch harassing. Of 
<laughs> he was harassing a bunch of people. Uh, but the, I think the the underlying thing that we want to we want to talk about here is, I mean, there's been this theme uh, over the past several years that we've been doing the show um, of law enforcement or people in authority sort of clamping down on photography. I think it was at a peak during, you know, right after September 11 and all that, when everybody was on high alert and nervous of anybody carrying a, anything that looks suspicious or doing anything that looks suspicious. Um, but that's sort of trailing off now, right or wrong. But uh, the issue is, especially, I mean, in, in New Orleans, I don't know, but in over in Europe, uh, they seem to be especially, especially uh, sensitive about people with with cameras and almost to the degree that people with cameras are are guilty until proven innocent kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I want to throw it out there. Rick, are you, have you, I mean, you've been around the world several times. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been harassed at all just because, you know, maybe somebody didn't know who you were and uh, you just kind of look suspicious and they decided they want to, they're going to detain you or otherwise harass you? Well, I, I guess I always look suspicious. No, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, I have been everywhere. I've been to like more than a hundred countries and my philosophy is, you know, I play by the rules. I always play by the rules. On the Brooklyn Bridge, believe it or not, there's are, there are signs. You can't, you know, no photography. Now, there's cops walking around, and you ask the Uh-oh. cop, hey, can I take a picture? You know, and they'll say, you know, go ahead if it's just for fun. You don't, you don't really want to get into something, especially in foreign countries. And you mentioned in Europe, there was a, a video, I forget, last week, uh, I think it was, some person in England was, was harassed because they, they just didn't follow the rules and guess what even if you think you're right even if you even if you know you're right and and a police officer tried to be a sophisticated rather than saying cop <laughs> comes up comes, comes a up law to you. enforcement official <laughs> yeah there you go and, and you know i i just always play by the rules and who knows but, down there you, you never you, there's two sides to every story you don't know what happened you know yeah i think uh, i think playing by the rules mouthful. of course 100 percent all the time but the i think part of the issue is that sometimes these law enforcement officials are somewhat uninformed of what the rules are and what the laws are and they'd say we'll sort it out later you know get out of here and we'll sort it out later kind of thing but it's you know yeah, there's that, there's that, you know, hey, I'm on public property, I can take pictures of this. I mean, if you're taking pictures of some government installation, you know, that that you shouldn't be, of course you shouldn't do it. But if you're, I don't know, I mean, I, I threw it out there, like, you're on the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, it's an icon, and you're standing out there and probably a tourist taking pictures, why not? Are you going to do something nefarious with, with those pictures of some cabling? Uh, I don't know. So, so here's the question, if, if, if uh, a law enforcement official tells you to delete Everything on your on your uh, compact flash card. Do you do it? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, depends it, it, on I, how I guess I, here's, here's the thing: is is that I would I would uh, I would say that I would definitely it would depend on what country I'm in. Me too. Yeah. yeah. You know. And sure. now another True. thing that I I learned uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, where you know the press isn't that uh, isn't looked at fondly, uh, <laughs> and I've never. I don't do press work there. I don't shoot the news. Uh, I stay very far away from anything that's going to get me in trouble when it comes to that because it's just not what I'm doing down there. Uh, however, the uh, uh, you know I got pulled over one time when I got all these cameras and they pulled it all out. I got like three or four cameras and I've got all this stuff. And they pulled out my, my camcorder and they opened it up and they said, play it. And so I played it and it was like people serving me uh, food in the morning and it was uh, the kids learning and everything else. Now... That's actually what I had just shot, so it wasn't a big deal. But I, the lesson that I learned there was I have – when I'm in another country, I always – and I see now I'm going to ruin everything because I'm going to say it on a, on a podcast. And hopefully they're not – I don't think the customs guys are listening. So the uh, – uh, 
I always have a compact flash that has um, fun stuff on it. <laughs> you know, stuff I don't need. Some, you know, and I and I'm very good at switch, switching things out. And um, and there's a lot of like when I can, if I see something coming up or I see a police officer coming, oftentimes I'll just swap that uh, swap that card in. There's nothing on that card that I care about. You know, that's, and, that's I, a, and I palm the other one. That's a good a idea. Palm. I was Look in, at that. I, palm. I, was in a, I have it. I have it. I have the other one in my hand. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I was in a beautiful Caribbean country over uh, last summer, very tropical country, but, and this one country, we're not supposed to be there. So when I came back from this beautiful tropical country, I had all my folders labeled, you know, Cancun vacation. <laughs> right. So was, and, you know, that question you said about deleting the pictures, that was in, that's a, a good question because my biggest fear coming back from this beautiful tropical country was that <laughs> the immigration officers were going to take my cards or tell me to delete the stuff on the cards. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So what do you point. do? What's, what's the correct course of action, Alex? Do you... Uh, in, you this country, in this country, I'll be a little bit more... Argu- I've, I've had a couple of those uh, where I'm a little bit more argumentative about it. Uh, I haven't had that many police officers do it. I've definitely had security guards do it. And I usually tell the security guard that he should go get his manager. And then we can have a discussion about this. And then mm-hmm. when he leaves to get his manager, I leave. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I like it. It's surprising because he can't grab... <laughs> the awesome. thing to know about working with security guys is they can't grab onto you. And you can definitely... Um, it, grabbing onto you is not in there. Hanging onto you when you haven't done anything uh, that's dangerous is actually uh, against the law. And if they grab onto you, it's a lawsuit. And um, and some one I'm hoping that somebody actually does because then they can pay for a couple cameras for me. Uh, <laughs> so the um, but the you know I, and I'll be real touchy about that. But then I say okay, I'll stand here. You can go get da 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 da. And then by the time it gets back, I'm gone. So the, the um, other the other quick point I would make is that uh, if all you do is delete things off of your memory card and don't ever write anything else to it. Yeah, you that can stuff recover is 100% it. recoverable. So, you know, you can go through the the charade of deleting your yep. memory card and just take it out and and put it somewhere safe, you know, and and remember that, you know, you still have stuff on there and then use one of these utilities to recover it. So, you know, you, yeah. you shouldn't actually lose anything even if you are forced to delete stuff. The other thing in 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 these kind of situations does it does underline the value of of uh, iFi. You know, I mean, right. the idea that you're when you're shooting, you're uploading at the same time, and then, and we're going to get to a point where that's not really, you know, what they're asking you to do doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, it becomes in the in the uh, the chat room. Uh, who is it? Fun Crunch brings up a a good point, basically saying that uh, he or she is saying that uh, people with big lenses are being discriminated against. So. Has that been like Ron? Has that been your your experience? If you have a little point and shoot, no one bothers you, or if you have a fifty mil on your SLR, no one bothers you. But if you throw that seventy to two hundred on there, then suddenly you're a pro and a target. Yeah, I, it's not been my experience, but I've certainly heard that. And you know, and the other piece of it too is that even at things like sporting events, where uh, they're they're trying to manage the flow of information out of there because they think they have some sort of copyright on the uh, any, anything you could possibly see there. Uh, I've heard that same sort of thing, that they will harass people with longer, more professional-looking gear and longer lenses. Well, and, and yeah, I, I, always, yeah, I always try not to look like a professional. Right. Yeah, yeah. How, how, do, how do you do that? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that with pro gear, though? 
Because you can dress down and look bummy. Well, you can dress down like when I came back from this beautiful Caribbean country last uh, (laughs) last July where I wasn't supposed to be. I came back dressed like a golfer. I had my golf hat on. I had my golf shirt because they play a lot of golf golf in the in-between country. So you you don't want to walk around with one of those safari jackets. You don't want to walk, although I've been known to do that, you don't want to walk around with a big backpack and have like eight cameras hanging off uh, off your shoulders. Yeah. I have like well, then, one then you're amateur. really an amateur because pros don't generally do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the amateurs have like 19 cameras hanging around and all these lenses and trying to trying to use one. Out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it, that's a the whole thing is a tough question. And I I, I will admit that outside of this country, I generally uh, don't let my camera hang out that long outside of my body. You know, like it's under something, it's under whatever, and it's just a matter of that's part of. It's not just because I, I don't want to get in trouble for shooting. I just don't want someone to take it. Um, the, you know, you become a target as soon as you go into a country that where your camera represents a year of someone's salary. Um, right. You know, you just have to always keep that in mind too, and be beyond all the other stuff. And I've had cameras stolen uh, very effectively. I mean, just uh, you know, you reach up for a beer and you feel you, you someone's rubbing up against you, and next thing you know, your little camcorder's gone. <laughs> wow! <laughs> they're, they're really? That's like, happened to you? It happened to me in Zimbabwe, actually. Yeah, um, I took two. Uh, so it was, you know, it was one that was lost, uh, but it was, you know, a little HV 20 and I was shooting a concert and, um, yeah, I reached up and I, it was gone by the time I reached back down and, uh, it's quite a thing, you know, you so had, uh, it was insured. I, I take it, right? It was insured. I didn't, you know, actually the way our insurance works, a thousand dollar camera is not going to be something that we're going to try to replace. So, gotcha. I mean, you know, you know, it's, it's, it would affect our rates more than it would affect the thing that, that but the, um, I took two cameras and Instead of buying one $2,000 camera, I bought two $1,000 cameras uh, just in case. Um, and uh, I was glad I did. So, uh, so anyway, so that's the uh, – but, you know, I, now what, I, what I've done is I've gone into my Scotty vest that I kind of wear around when I'm shooting. And I replaced the little – they have a little chintzy little thing that is good for your keys. And I replaced it with high tinsel wire <laughs> and, and, and actually sewed it into the – so the, the, the link is actually sewed into the jacket, which creates another problem, which will be a very uncomfortable situation if someone tries to pull the camera out because it's linked to that. So they'll pull me with it, and then suddenly we're going to be in a situation where I'm looking at them. They're looking at me. They've got my camera, and um, you know, then we have to have a discussion. And uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was actually better. I mean, there's part of me that thought, oh, that would be a really good idea, and there's part of me that mm, I don't really know if I need to know that. I, I almost want them to have the camera rather than get into the confrontation. So, um, so anyway, that's a whole other whole other conversation. So uh, also in the news, we've got the uh, photo department fired. The entire photo department <laughs> fired a business week. It was it was just now I don't I think there's a temptation to make this uh, uh, make this um, a thing about downsizing and everything else, but that doesn't look like what's actually happening here. It looks like it's just a changing of the guard. They want to have a radical change in what they're doing. They're bringing new people in. They're just simply saying, and this is kind of a you know. A, king kind of thing <laughs> you know someone one one power moves in and everyone else moves out to make sure that it's uh it's clean rick uh, what's your what's your take on this uh i think they probably want to save money and they probably want to get younger people in there and uh, mm-hmm. and they just want a fresh look even though it's a business magazine they still need eye-catching covers they still need great visuals so i'm sure they're going to come back with a smaller team and you know the people who've been there for a year are probably making great money had great benefits Right. So they just, uh, you know, everyone's uh, downscaling. Right. And, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, but I think you're right that at some level there is also just this changing of the guard. I, I had a good mm-hmm. friend that was uh, the director of photography at Wired Magazine uh, for a number of years. And then, you know, some new, new people up top came in 
and just decided to you know reorganize some things, bring in some of their own personal you know friends or people they'd worked with before. And then I you know I don't as much as you know it sucked for my friend to lose her job. I can understand why somebody coming in that's deciding they're going to take take the reins would also bring in people that they yeah. know well and they're comfortable with. Yeah, well, and, and I think the word putting the word "fired" in the in the headline is a little bit yeah. sensationalistic because you know if it's a reorg and if it's a you know we just want to change the guard, that's a little bit less sexy than saying the photo department was axed at Business Week. You right, know, right. So, you know, I, I think it's just a little bit sensationalistic. You know, people are reorging, like Rick says, and 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 making changes. So maybe it was time for that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I had the same problem. I was uh, a program director at, or assistant program director at a radio station where we tried not to do that. And, uh, you know, everyone had their way. And this is the way the old guy did it. And, da, 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 da. and we ended up calling a lunch and, and firing everybody. <laughs> you know, like we did it for a month and then we just let everybody go and then started over again. You know, it was just it wasn't going to you know, this is you know, it was it was like that's not going to work. And uh, you, you weren't smiling like that when you let him go. Were you, Alex? No, no. <laughs> OK, no, good. You just, had a little somber look. Yeah, it was. Uh, we really appreciate everything you've done here, and uh, yeah. you need to go now. So, uh, so anyway, um, uh, we're just moving on. We're moving. We're, we're changing our our our. You know, it's like that. So we're just going in a different direction. Definitely, it's, just, it's not you. It's me. It was definitely right. probably the hardest thing I had to do. Uh, in uh, you know, at twenty years old, it was a it was a pain, it was a painful thing to do when you're yeah, twenty because you don't you're, you're younger than everyone that you just let go. <laughs> so um so anyway, uh, we ha- don't have any more time for the news. Uh, we're going to jump straight into the uh, questions, and so I'm going to throw uh, I'm going to throw this first one at uh, Ron. So um so this first question here is from uh, Ed Allen. Go ahead, Ron. Ed says I have a Rebel XSI and a couple of eight gigabyte unbranded memory cards that came with the camera. When I'm shooting raw, uh, which is about 13 megabytes per shot on a continuous shooting, I notice that after four or five shots, the camera has to pause. The red read light flashes. Uh, and this is while the camera handles the images before I can keep on shooting. In your experience, is this the camera or the right speed of the cards? Um, it can be both. It can be either, I guess I should say. Uh, you certainly do have a fixed buffer size on your camera, and you, you can actually go to uh, like DP Review and look up for your camera, like the Rebel XSI, and it'll tell you sort of exactly what the buffer size is uh, that it's going to be able to capture rapidly before it has to start dumping to the card. But when you get to that point, when you get to where it has to uh, flush the buffer and put it onto the card, having the card be fast is going to be uh, critical in making sure that you clear that buffer as soon as possible. And I, and I really noticed that on this trip. I had a older, um, a, an older uh, compact flash, or not compact flash, the smaller format card uh, that we were switching between my LX3 uh, and that little cannon point and shoot that she had, uh, and one of them was way faster than the other one, so we were kind of juggling back and forth depending on what we were shooting for which one it went in there. So it's probably a combination of both things, but just figure out, you know, like anything, learn what your camera's specs are, what it can do, so you'll be prepared for that kind of thing. And our next question, uh, which I'll throw to uh, to Fred, Rick, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, is from reader uh, Jerry Anderson. Jerry Anderson. Okay, so he has a question. I'll read it here. He says, Nikon, Canon, and Sony all have great full-frame sensors in their DSLR camera lineups, and cameras like the Sony A850 are offering 24-megapixel resolution at a very attractive price point. As Moore's Law and intense competition continues to bring us better cameras at lower prices, are the days of the crop sensor cameras like the Nikon D300 and the Canon 50D numbered? Now, I love this question. Controversial. I can Da-dum. answer it. I can answer it in one word. 
Yes. So, <laughs> I know Ron's going to disagree. And I can answer we, it in one word. No. We we have been back and forth on this, and Ron feels like there's room for the crop sensor cameras, and I feel like the crop sensor cameras, though great and wonderful for all you people who own them, me included, I have one, uh, but I also have a full frame. I think the, in my humble opinion, or not so humble, that the full frame sensors are where things are going. I mean, it's it, it it represents the future, and crop frame sensors represent a stepping stone to get to the future. So if you I, buy, I if will you tell buy you into, wait, 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 if you buy into lenses that are that are designed for the crop frame sensors, then you're, in my opinion, again, you're buying into obsolescence, and one day you're going to be like, oh crap, why did I buy that lens? Because now I have a full frame, because that's what. You know, how long, how long have we been doing to. this show? Two years now. I've been hearing this. <laughs> uh, somebody feel free to go out there and run the numbers on how, many, how, how fast these uh, crop frame sensors are disappearing. They're not disappearing. I will say that we talked about video for two years, and when we started talking about it, it, was, it sounded like it was crazy talk. And now uh-huh. it's not uh-huh. so crazy right. talk. Uh-huh. I think within, within 15 years, the full frame sensor is going to be gone. wait a minute wait a minute you're saying the full frame sensor is going away it was a fad yep yep (laughs) you're living in a dream world yeah (laughs) no i i I actually do believe you're living in a dream world you're living in a dream world not not in the sense that there will no longer be large format things i i I actually believe that what's going to happen is you're going to see uh, all of these large monolithic sensors go away and you're going to have an array of smaller sensors taking up the slack but um I, I, that and that's the way that is 15 years out or so uh but you know I don't, in terms I don't of the think so. i think it's still, relatively quick hey, let, let's throw it to the to the the consummate professional in the group mr uh rick over there rick the, where do you fall on this do you think ron and i've been battling on this for for <laughs> years now <laughs> that you know crop fame crop frame sensors versus full frame I'm on the full frame side, thinking that's the future. Ron thinks it's the the crop frame, and that's the sensor, or that's the future. What do you What do you think? Well, I think if we had uh, 25 wildlife photographers on the program who need, uh, you know, to get close to their animals with their long lenses, they'd say they'd be praying for you know the crop centers, crop sensor cameras, because you know the crop centers sensors don't really extend the focal length of the lens, but they do, you know, in effect bring you. They do in effect do that and bring you closer. Uh, so I, you know, I can't predict the future. I think uh, they'll both be around for a while, but for wildlife photographers, including myself, when I go places, you know, I'm always shooting, or even when I'm photographing, you know, in a city, I'll put my uh, wide angle zoom lens on my full frame image sensor camera. And I'll put my telephoto uh, zoom mm. lens on my crop sensor camera because I want to get closer. So maybe there's I, I mean, room for I, both. Part of maybe it. there's room for both. Yeah, okay. I'd, there I'd there it. is room for both. And yeah, it's funny because I am more of a, a landscape photographer than anything, I'd say, if I had to characterize myself. And, you know, mm. and I, I would have no problem buying a, uh, a full-size you know, camera with a full-size sensor in it. You know, for me, the, the big thing with the crop sensor and even smaller down to like the micro four thirds is that you can then build smaller lenses and smaller bodies with it as well. And that's why I don't think it's going to go away. I mean, there's, you are never going to be able to take a full frame sensor and put it into a very small camera. And, you know, I can see myself, my ideal scenario would be having a really good micro four thirds camera and then probably also a full frame as well. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just can't see that, you know, there's too many advantages to be able to... Everybody likes smaller, right? Everybody likes to have a smaller camera to carry around. I don't you know about do that. 
Maybe it's a matter of, of, like you said, maybe it will evolve into all the advanced amateur and amateur cameras and point-and-shoots use crop frame sensors. And the pro-level cameras are going to be more uh, on the uh, full-frame sensor side. I don't know. Who knows? I, got, I know. I think I've got a $100 bet with uh, Scott Bourne already that in five years there will still be crop-frame sensors. Anybody else that wants to come on board with that? I can, I'll, I'll, take that. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. There'll be, I'll say by, uh, let's say, what are we, 2010 now? 2015, 2016 will be... We're pushing it out. 2015. Okay, 2015. We'll be. We will be completely on the, not on be the able pro SLR on the pro SLR side. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be no crop frame sensor cameras. Well, well, you're gonna have to define what pro is then. I mean, do you consider uh, a 7D a pro? I do. Well, no, maybe not. No, I don't consider a 7D a pro. Mm, yeah. Okay. It's on the edge. It's on the edge. But I don't <laughs> own one, so I can't really make that claim. Well, and I, and I will say that to to, to I, I don't know why I'm defending Ron here because I, I, I'm like ah, I love my my, my full frame, but I because it's fun I, to gang up on me. That's but, why. but here's Come the thing on. is that I, I have to say that when I look at it, so I have a 7D and a 5D at my you know at my house. Those are the kind of the two cameras, and those are the two cameras that I'm taking to Africa. And and they see now everyone's gonna be like, oh, let's follow Alex around wait until he forgets them. Anyway, so the um uh but uh. Those are the two bodies that I'm taking, and I'm taking them because I want a magnifier on one of them, a nice little camera that I, the second camera I have, if I throw a, two, a, a 70 to 200 on it, it's going to give me a little bit more throw than what I would normally get. I get a 300 or a 310 or whatever out of it. And so, so I can definitely see that that's, um, you know, one of the things, the, the, the main reason that I'm, and I, and I have to admit that I've actually pulled back from needing the short depth of field that I used to have, because if your lenses are fast, the depth of field is, you know, 2.8 is, you know, on a lot of the zooms is enough on the crop center, uh, crop sensor for the most part, uh, where you get to a point where you're just not getting, <laughs> you know, you know, you don't want it to be that short. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. the issue. Uh, but the main issue is, um, uh, is for me is the quality. The, the, the 70 grain pattern, uh, is much more, uh, noticeable than the 5D uh, at higher ISOs. And that's the thing that I'm most, like I'm actually to the point of at 1600 or even 30, well, definitely at 3200, uh, the 7D is just frustrating for me um, com- compared to the 5D. Yeah, and again, I am not disputing the advantages or, or you know or the reason why to have a full frame sensor. I absolutely understand it and would love to have one and you know very likely will get one. Right. Uh, I'm just saying that there are plenty of reasons why the uh, the crop frame scenario and by crop frame I mean, you know it it can be anything down to the micro four thirds and even lower. Mm-hmm. They will continue to be out there. Yeah. Well, I, I have the solution, guys. Oh, the solution. <laughs> Thank goodness. I, I Thank think, you. I'm going to make both of you guys happy. You know, I've been around for a while, and the first uh, SLR I had, film camera, we had interchangeable viewfinder screens. So I'm going to talk to Canon and see if they could come up with a camera with interchangeable sensors. <laughs> <laughs> that, like little car- That's awesome. Little sensors on a cartridge. What like was I thinking? Commodore 64 or something. Same, we're, we're making I this like- way too more complicated than it needed to be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Time for the picks. Fred, what's your pick? My pick is an event that is actually happening this week, and it's in Florida, and I wish I could have gone to it. It's the, uh, the Orlando, I think it's in Orlando, Photoshop World. Rick, Rick, are you going to that? Are you heading down there? Yeah. So I hope that wasn't your pick, but my pick is Photoshop World. Um, if you are in that area, it's probably too late to go now if you're in my area, but if you're in that area, definitely head over there, check it out. It's uh, chock full of stuff to learn and experience and you know you see all the new software and gear and all that good stuff so uh maybe not so much on the gear side but it's uh you know because it's a it's a photoshop so a photoshop show do they have a big expo 
They do. It's a, a gigantic expo with all these amazing training courses going on. And the cool thing, Scott Kelby and those crew, they put on this crazy keynote every year that's themed. Like one year they did Star Trek. Another year they did um, uh, boxing. So it's it's this that, crazy that cool. sort of, yeah, it's this crazy sort of uh, energetic, almost Tony Robbins-esque you know excitement event around photoshop and creatives but not just photoshop it's more i think the name photoshop world belies the what the what the event is it's photoshop world yeah because adobe's you know sponsoring and all that stuff but the event is actually creative world so you go there and it's all about photography it's all about design it's all about web and video and all this stuff so uh, definitely check it out if you're if you are able to get over there for this that sounds great ron so, as I mentioned, I had uh, effectively four cameras, including the iPhone that I was traveling with. And when I got back, realized that the time date uh, was out of sync on all of them. And I looked around, and there are a few good tools that uh, that can be used for this sort of thing. Uh, a lot of them have pros and cons. Uh, a lot of them can't deal with video, which I figured as long as I was doing it, it'd be nice to get the video uh, embedded timestamp working properly. I ended up, and this is not for the faint of heart, but I ended up with something called Exif Tool. Which is a oh. command line tool. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> it, it's it is yeah, a brick making tool. <laughs> extremely geeky. You know, I mean, it's basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you don't have to be a coder to use it, but you have, you have to sort of have been familiar with like doing stuff in in Unix, perhaps. Uh, but it's incredibly full featured. Supports just about any file format you can think of. Uh, it has you know some easy stuff. I mean, literally, you, you end up typing in on a, on a in a terminal things like uh, exif tool. Uh, file name, you know, star.jpg dash uh, time shift three hours 45 or something like that. But then it just runs through and it changes all the exif data to be uh, plus three hours and 45, sec- 45 minutes and, and it's done. So, like I said, you got to be fairly techie to be comfortable with this, but if you need something to do this on a large batch of, of files and images, it's very functional. Uh, again, it's called exif tool. Great. Rick, what is your pick for the week? Well, I'm very into HDR photography. You know, put the camera on the tripod, take, you know, five, six, seven, nine exposures. And for serious HDR photography, you know, I use Photomatics. But if you want to have some fun, try Topaz Adjust. It's available mm. from Topaz Labs. And it's not a true HDR program, but it really expands the dynamic range of the picture. And you can play around with the shadows and the highlights. So Topaz Adjust from Topaz Labs is uh, definitely my pick of the week. Can I can I throw one more in, Alex? I know it's cheating, but I want to throw one more in. Oh, because, I want to throw one in too. No. Well, my mine is Rick's twenty four seven iPhone application that I just played with over the weekend, and I had the opportunity to have lunch with your developer, Rick, that uh, that created that app, and it's crazy. I mean, it's one of the few i it's one of the few photography apps I, I have on my iPhone that is not a it's not geared towards taking photos. It's geared towards telling me how to take photos and, and inspiring me. So I thought it was, I was riveted. I, it was really cool. I only wish that it was, uh, and I know you're building an iPad version. So, you mm-hmm. know, having that, that bigger UI is going to be awesome. So congratulations on that. Well, thanks so much. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They all are. They all seem like, oh, it'd be a simple little app. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. my, my expression is it's not easy having fun. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so I have an iPhone app, um, and and here's the thing: is, is I'm going to suggest people actually 
I'm going to suggest a group of iPhone apps, but I'm going to suggest the one that I like as far as a good, simple one to kind of play with. And that is there are a lot of depth of field calculators on for the iPhone, and I highly suggest getting one. It is, even if it's just something that you sit in a, while you're standing in line, you play with it, it's really great to start thinking about how long, uh, you, know, you know, how much depth of field you have when you have it. So I, the one that I like as far as a simple one, there's some much more complex and more expensive ones that you can get. But a simple one is called IDOF Calc. And um, what you can do is you can put in your crop factor. You can actually hit crop factor and decide this is what the camera I have. So it'll, it'll figure out the crop factor for you. So you can say I have a Nikon or I have a Canon 5D or I have whatever, whatever it is. And then, uh, and then you can say this is my F-stop. Uh, and then I can have the, 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 you know, I'm using a 50 millimeter or, or my, or my zoom is set to 50 millimeter. And, um, my, the distance to my subject is six meters and 50 centimeters, let's say. Um, and, and so what you can, you can set, set all of that up and what it'll tell you, you have a little readout that tells you what your hyperfocal distance is, far limit, depth of field and near limit. And that's going to give you kind of an idea of how much room you have to, to use. Now, we got into this doing this with video because it's really important when we're doing interviews to know, you know, how much headroom does the person have moving back and forth before they're going to go out of focus. And so, um, so that was really important. But it's also great when you're starting to think of, okay, so if I have a 1.4 and a 50-millimeter lens and I'm going to be one meter away, uh, let's say, uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to remind me that I have uh, 7.31 centimeters, which is like nothing. Like that's my, <laughs> that's what's in focus when something's three feet away and um, in a 50 millimeter with a 1.4. And that allows you to start thinking about, you know, oh, well, maybe if I open it back up to, let's say, a 2.8 uh, and I'm going to focus on something close, now I know that I have, you know, uh, a, you know a, lot more, a lot more room now to, um, uh, to move. And so, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I have 14 centimeters or whatever. And so, so these are all things that, um, it's a great little, uh, application that, you know, I, I highly suggest, but I suggest looking at all of them, do a search for depth of field, look at the screen images. There's tons of them. They, they, they just do the same information. You know, that information is well known to photographers and we used to have charts that we would use to, to do all of that. Uh, and it's just great to have it on your iPhone because when you're thinking about a shoot and you're putting something together, being able to just kind of, uh, what am I going to get here? Uh, okay. Okay. That, that'll, that'll work. This is how much I have. And so anyway, uh, that's it. That's my pick. So, uh, let's go around. Uh, Rick, where can people find you? Uh, my website, ricksalmon.com. Uh, everything's linked from there. Great. And uh, Frederick, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at frederickvan.com or on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash frederickvan. And Ron, I caught you not looking. I'm paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Ron Brinkman or also on Flickr. I did confirm that it is also just Ron Brinkman. Brinkman spelled with two N's at the end. Great. And... uh, for everyone else, uh, between now and next week, get that lens cap off, get out there, and start shooting. Mm-hmm.